Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the film To All the Boys I've Loved Before, Always and Forever. You don't have to have seen the film to enjoy the podcast, but if you do listen without having seen the film, just be aware that we can't guarantee that this episode will be spoiler-free. Enjoy. Hello. Today is going to be a day that we talk about a trilogy. <laughs> I, yeah, I wanted to do better than that, but I literally just thought about working in Oasis right there on the spot. So that's all you get. Uh, that's all that Oasis deserves, to be fair. Yeah, but we'll, we'll get on to that. I just wanted to first apologize for being a few minutes late because we were watching um, Married at First Sight Australia. Are you aware of this reality TV show? I have heard of Married at First Sight. Yes, I have not watched it. Is it enjoyable? Is it the it kind is. of trash that I This is the Australian version. And it's on every night. Well, during the week, anyway, at least. My my wife watches it every night. And I'm sort of in and out. I know who the, the key players are and what the main storylines are and stuff. Um, as sometimes I'm in the other room boiling some eggs. And then I come in and I find out that someone's annoyed with someone else or whatever. And, you know, they... They do all the classic reality TV things of finding awful people and then putting them in rooms together and whatever. But um, there was a, a cucking situation that I wanted to see. So I'm sorry that I watched a bit of that and now I'm a few minutes late for the podcast. <laughs> that is quite all right. What was this cucking situation? Spoiler alert for, <laughs> for Married for at First Sight Australia first sight on Australia. E4. I think it also like was aired two or three years ago in Australia and now it's on E4 here because well, E4. That's, that's how long it takes the carrier pigeon to, to take the tapes over from Australia, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it is on the other side of the world, let's yeah. be fair. That's how long it takes. Yeah. But basically one of the one of the like two of the people from the couples had like gone off to form another couple behind their partner's back. If you if you can't guess, the premise of the show is that people get married to someone that they've never met and then they have like weeks of trials and every week they have to decide if they want to stay or leave or whatever and they get to know each other over the course of it and then eventually they can commit if they want. None of the relationships ever work out, although apparently one of the ones on this series has, so that's lovely. But like it's yeah, it you can imagine what it's like. Yeah, I like those kind of shows, though. Yeah. Um, nothing quite will ever reach the quality of X on the beach. No, of course um, not. Which is, which is forever the greatest example of this kind of television. Although we caught, I think it's called The Cabin or The Cabins. The Cabins, yeah. Yeah. Which seems which like is not a, a horror film. No, it seemed like a less horrible version of Love Island from the creators of Love Island. But that's what they're doing now with all these shows. It's Love Island in a house. Yeah. Love Island love up house. a mountain. Love, love house, love mountain. Yeah. Love Island on a sinking yacht. You know, this yeah, this the, is what they do. The the love Titanic. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, but it seems like it's slightly nicer than Love Island. Less manipulative, less nasty. Um, which seemed fine. I was like, oh, I can watch this. There's someone running around in a onesie, not doing a very good job of attracting the other person that they're stuck in a cabin with. Yeah, and then talking to camera and going, I hate that person. Ugh. I hate this person, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, we're still in lockdown. COVID's still happening. It's been nearly a year. 
no, this kind of television is totally fine. I've come to accept it. Yeah, it's completely fine to watch whatever you want to watch. Um, yeah, and, and we don't judge. It is after we collided the worst yeah. movie ever made. <laughs> we don't judge unless you watch anything to do with the after universe. In which case, <laughs> the after cinema. You should be universe. ashamed. We don't judge unless your yeah. hero finds Tiffin. In which case, we judge you. <laughs> the finds Tiffin verse. The finds Tiffin verse. Yeah. Um, so this week's movie was the finale of a beloved Netflix rom-com series, um, to all the boys. So yeah. to all the boys I loved before. Although the star Lena Condor has said, never say never when asked about a potential for number four. Obviously it's based on books. There were only three books. So <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I kind of need another book, aren't they? Although I suppose they could just do another movie. They could. That's the that has been done before, hasn't it? Yes. Yeah. Um, I think. Yeah. It, they they could just do do another movie, couldn't they? Instead of relying on a book, but it would be nice that it would be a book, and then they'd do another one. Um, we'll see. We'll see. But but it kind of rounds out that. So yeah, we had to all the boys I love before, to all the boys two, and then to all the boys always and forever. Yeah. Um, to all the boys two had a a funky name, didn't it? P.S. I still love you. Yeah. Um, Which unfortunately reminds us of P.S. I love you. Which is the greatest piece of Irish cinema. (laughs) The greatest piece of Irish cinema (laughs) ever. Um, Better than After We Collided, but worse than literally every other film. (laughs) No, it came out higher than. It's low on the list, but it's nowhere near the bottom anymore, is it? We've watched some real stinkers. That's true, actually. Yeah, it's definitely below that Baywatch and Just Friends. So I guess it's not so bad <laughs> now that you think about it. I think we need to rewatch it and you should put into context what is this movie in comparison to Just Friends and After We Collided. Oh, God. Um, it's not but- mean-spirited unless you're Irish. <laughs> <laughs> it's It's done with love, but unfortunately that love comes with a side helping of stereotypes, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, anyway to all the boys always and forever what did you think of this this final part of the cinematic trilogy of our times well it's part three part one was good right we enjoyed part one as a kind of fun and enjoyable netflix film for teens based on some fun books that was fun and goofy and what you want from a kind of high school romance film and then the second one came along and it was boring and a bit flat right yeah, that's bang on. Um, so going into the third one, you think, well, hopefully if it's concluding things, it won't feel like filler. Um, hopefully they'll have gotten the feedback from the second one and decided to make a better film. And I think I think they did. I think it probably doesn't have the full charm of the first one, but it still is a lot better than the second one and feels like a nice end to the trilogy, right? And there's a lot to like about it. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. And and I was a little bit concerned going into it because I think it was filmed back to back with the second one. And I thought, oh, no, is it going to have the same pitfalls? Because I, I, I seem to remember the second one had like the odd bit of awkward physical humor. The the plot was paper thin. The characters were paper thin. I was like, oh, no, is that going to be what it what it feels like in the third movie? But actually, this one feels a lot closer to the first one, albeit it doesn't have the same low level scope that made the first one so relatable um where the, where the I first can't one remember the second one at all it was really forgettable i remember there was another guy there was a are you team peter or are you team whoever the other guy is 
and I, I I liked the other guy better, and I was ho- kept hoping he was going to turn up in this one, and then he didn't. You liked him because he was an artistic piano man, and he was all like, "I read poetry." Yeah, my name's he was, he was a cardigan Ponston. guy. <laughs> um, he, he was a man who wore cardigans. He a was a, and, and he, helped old people. He was a paper thin character who had no flaws, and was there to be like, a, "Oh, we've got another." character here but oh, just have... like the main guy peter then well if you remember in the first movie peter actually had quite a lot of depth and that's why we liked it so much did um, he whereas um the second one he then became paper thin i am a jock and then in this third one he's not just a jock and actually has some moments where you're like wow that is a very mature perspective to have i was not expecting this from a movie about high school um, yeah, but, but then he ruins it all by liking Oasis and douchebag films, <laughs> and just generally being a douchebag. He's not. A, is he really a douchebag though? I wouldn't say that he's a douchebag in this movie. No, he's just boring. They're, well, they're all boring. That's the problem. Every every character is boring because there's no real progression with character development in this film. Um, because there hasn't been any character development since the first movie. Hey, they um, go to Korea and the young the younger sister starts being interested in boys. <laughs> Travelling to a different location does not mean that you have grown as a person. Um and um and yeah, so so there's no real and this is a real problem with a lot of the sequels on streaming services, is that often the first film they have a fairly decent character progression, but then whether it's because the audience likes the characters and they're concerned about doing anything to shift what that character is further in the movies, or whether it's just the fact that, that making sequels is difficult. Um, everything kind of stays static apart from the situation in the sequels to a lot of these films. And that's been the real problem with the Tool the Boys movies. Um, where the first, yeah. the, the first one was great and you had these two characters which were had a, had an acceptable uh, exceptional amount of depth for a teen rom-com um who you, they had clear motivations clear goals but also had complicated feelings about things and it really worked well the second one was just very dull no depth whatsoever and this one it kind of develops it but nowhere near enough and, and uh, this is a much better movie than the second one don't get me wrong but it wasn't is is nowhere near as good as the first film. No, the first film has you know it's a, it's a charm, a charm and a love bomb, isn't it? The first film, it's just got it all. Yeah. Whereas here, it's it's the kind of story that you've seen an awful lot of times in high school movies. Um, so um, basically, oh, we're in love, but we might be going to different universities happens all the time and of course the main kernel of the plot is he's going somewhere she doesn't get in she doesn't tell him immediately and i was thinking oh god yeah okay we've got another movie where miscommunication is the name of the game and and i seem to remember that's exactly what happened in the second movie where she just did not tell him important things but this is hashtag relatable because this is what happens when teens text each other i assume they often just like don't text each other and then that creates a problem that's what happens, right? Um, n- not like this. <laughs> not when a, hey, are we going to the same university? Yeah, lol. And then two days later, oh, wait, lol, I lied. Soz. <laughs> that yep. does not happen. Two days um, later, when we're on a school trip to New York, 
What kind of school like flies you three thousand miles to New York for a school trip? Oh, it's a big old posh high school, isn't it? It's is uh, it it's is a it a fee paying private school? I don't know if it is, but everyone's houses are very big, and everyone's wearing very expensive clothes, and everyone clearly is rich. And Peter so, has a massive Jeep, so it may well be that it's just in a rich part of California. Maybe. It was in Portland. It said Portland on the map. Not yes. that you know it, <laughs> um, which is not necessarily the the most rich city in certain areas i know no. the, yeah. and there were no maudlin indie bands at all in it so well, they, they you know. live in the rich posh bits as well because <laughs> there's lots of gent- if you thought gentrification in london was bad apparently you know you look at portland and one of these days we're going to talk about blind spotting which is a movie i love which is all set in portland i thought you were um, going to say portlandia <laughs> One of these days we're going to watch Portlandia. Um, yeah, uh, I highly doubt this is in Portland. It's probably in some bit outside of Portland um, where all the, the posh white people live. Um, Poshland. And, yeah, po- Poshland. Poshlandia. Um, uh, and, but yeah, so, so they clearly go to a posh school. They go over to New York and then she realizes, um, oh, no, I really like New York. I better talk to my boyfriend about this. Lol, no, I'm just going to make the decision. <laughs> which, which is a real problem with this movie is, is time and time again, like, um, Peter, his, his character has a lot of, you know, um, acceptance and, uh, lots of adult thinking behind the decision. So when she doesn't tell him that, uh, she hasn't got into Stanford. I immediately thought, ah, there's going to be a big fight about this, but actually there isn't. And he says, ah, oh, don't worry. You're only two hours away. We'll still meet up at the weekends. We'll go to San Francisco. It's all going to be fine. And hey, here's an idea. You could always transfer after one year, which is something she hadn't considered. And I thought, ah, oh, Peter, this is quite clever. Um, she then decides, oh, wait, I actually want clever, to But to don't you think it's still kind of controlling of him? Well, they both want to go to the same university. It's not as though she wants to go to... Where where does she get into Berkeley? Berkeley, yeah, yeah. It's not as though she wants to go to Berkeley. She the only reason she's going is that she didn't get into Stanford. I wouldn't say that he's controlling in this movie at all. I'd say that she is no. But the movie wants you to think that, doesn't it? Because it's all like, oh, she doesn't know what she wants. She's just going along with what Peter wants, and then actually he's fine with it. But it like keeps setting it up that like he's like making her do it, even though he's not. Yeah, yeah. I think he's very. Um, very receptive to her needs and very understanding a lot of the time. Um, because, yeah, she then decides, actually, no, I want to go to New York. Um, and then again, doesn't immediately tell him. <laughs> and it's like, why are you not talking about this with your boyfriend? Your boyfriend who is definitely an old man. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, your 45-year-old boyfriend. Yeah, like... Uh, Billy he, Madison over here. Because <laughs> uh, Noah Centineo, he's a young, he's a young man. He is, but he's he looks very old in this movie. I think I told you in a text, he looks like Mark Ruffalo in this <laughs> film. It's the sort of slightly ruffled hair, isn't it? Yeah, and he's wearing a lot of old man shirts. And I was just thinking, oh no, he, he's he's aged so much. Why is, why is this 30-something-year-old man going to high school? He's a very young person in general. I think he was born in like 1995 or something. Um, so 1996. Much, much younger than us. Um, yeah. But, um, but yeah, and he turns up and is like, oh, listen to this movie. Uh, listen to this album. It's Oasis. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just thinking, oh, yes, uh, he was probably around during the height of Britpop and saw them live. 
Yeah. What American rest. high school kids love in 2021 is British men who drink and swear. Guys from that's Manchester. Exactly, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. What I want, if he, if they're going to go down that route, what I would have wanted was for Peter to go full Manchester and, you know, just have like one of those like fisherman hats and come in like wearing some baggy clothes and <laughs> pretending to be Bez. Bez. Yeah. <laughs> He'll be like, have you seen Bez's new workout series, Buzzing with Bez? <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's, it, he, 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 at some point, it might even be in the same bit, he says, uh, oh yes, I have sent you an album on Spotify. Like, <laughs> sure thing, old man. <laughs> How do you do, fellow kids? <laughs> how do you do, fellow kids? Um, yeah, that yeah. was an extremely how do you do, fellow kids moment. <laughs> and it, it did just feel, and there's little moments like that in this film that feel a little bit like, I, I think what worked so well about the, the first movie was even us as old men um realized that um that that it was a movie that didn't speak down to kids um and that was really refreshing because a lot of these movies like the kissing booth films for instance they're kind of condescending to their audience and and what was really nice about to all the boys was that it didn't do that at all and i think this movie has its moments where it doesn't do that i mean the fact that they have those adult conversations about being like hey you know it's not the end of the world if we don't end up in the same universities and at the end of the movie again it's like hey don't worry i'm sure we can make it work spoiler alert they won't uh but yeah uh, that, that, but it, it no gives you that big romantic ideal ending doesn't it and that's that's what people watch it for don't don't they yeah yeah exactly um but um but yeah it it handles it in a very um in a very adult way and it talks about these things in a very adult way which again i think is refreshing and good for the kids you know then they're not being dumbed down to even if sometimes the the dialogue is a bit stilted like this is an album i like on spotify (laughs) that music app that the young people use it's oasis it's what's the what's the story morning story by oasis (laughs) He has to say the <laughs> has to say the name so that Neam Neam Gallagher can get paid. <laughs> that Noel Fielding can get paid. Noel Fielding, yeah, that's the guy. Um, yeah. Oasis and their favorite, the famous nineteen ninety seven album, The Mighty Boosh. <laughs> Boosh exactly. is Manchester slang for a cup of tea. Yeah, that's that's precisely right. Peter um, knows that, obviously, because he's well into the like British culture, he's, along he's... with Marvel films and Fight Club. He fucking loves um, the Big Lebowski. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you, and, can I uh, tell you something? Yes. I've never seen the Big Lebowski. <laughs> you have told me that many times before. <laughs> have you seen it? Uh, I, th- I think we've had this conversation before. It's one of those things where I'm like, have I seen it? Or is it something that I've just seen all of the clips of it over the years so that it feels like I've seen it? Um, I think I have, but I'm not sure. Um, Flea's yeah. in it, isn't he? Uh, I'm in it. You're in it. Yeah, I'm in it. I love bowling. Why aren't I in it? Because you hate bowling. Oh, what? No, I don't. <laughs> have I ever said that? Paddy cancels bowling. <laughs> yeah, bowling. Latest victim of cancelled culture. Yeah, it's going to be in all the newspapers from tomorrow. Paddy, from Paddy Johnston. Fucking hates bowling. Wants to ban it for everyone else. You got the UK government being like, we must protect bowling. We must ensure that bowling is talked yeah. about on. We've created syllabuses. a new office for bowling and corruptly appointed a commissioner to, <laughs> to deal with the, the massive threat to bowling, which is literally just one guy. One me. guy. <laughs> it's you. Actually, makes yeah. me feel pretty powerful. 
<laughs> you we know talk? what I'm talking about, don't you? Yeah, can we talk about that briefly? Yeah, it's of course got we nothing can. to do with this movie, but yeah, basically, the <laughs> hey, British... they're but they're both going to go to college. They're both going to be students. So I hope <laughs> Peter is going to be aware of the threat to free speech on campuses because it's really, really important that no one stops him from getting up and delivering his lecture on how Oasis are good and also here's Pepe the Frog and I'm on Gab or whatever, you know. <laughs> So, yeah, so so for any of our non-UK listeners, the UK government has decided five years late that the US culture war over free speech on uh, university campuses is something that they should look into. So what they're going to be doing... And there's something that is a very big and very real threat. It's a very real threat. actually it was literally six events out of 10,000. They they literally got the data and that's what it was. And also... That, like, got cancelled because the speaker was a horrible person with awful views. Yeah, well, the, well, the issue is that okay, so so yeah, they're setting up this commission. Basically, it's to protect free speech um, and on university campuses because conservative voices are being targeted. And it's like, well, no, they're not. Um, actually, student groups are using their voice and using their agency to ensure that hateful people aren't given a voice on their campuses. So actually, yeah. by by getting rid of these speakers. Or, or rather, by by protecting these speakers and ensuring that they they are uh, that universities are forced to take them on effectively, actually, you're taking away the free speech of student groups, and that's what it is. This isn't actually about free speech; it's about protecting phrenology. <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> the, yeah, the, the people that are putting this forward and are doing these speeches, they are putting forward ideas that have been debunked for anywhere between thirty and a hundred years now. Um, you've got sort of um race scientists you've got yeah people the, like david ike <laughs> you've got these yeah. fucking absolute racist and bigoted weirdos you've got these fucking mentalists who are anti-trans people and basically the government's decided no we need to make sure that these people have a voice the people who actually use the universities fuck them they don't get a voice we need to make sure that these rich academics have a voice and get to go spout shite for an hour <laughs> on university campuses and at the same time as this they are targeting areas like the national trust saying you are not allowed to talk about history they're not yeah. allowing the national trust to talk about history they're trying to stop the national trust from talking about the role of empire the role of slavery in the growth of this nation so what they're doing is actually silencing speech for things they don't like because they need to keep up the fabrication that the empire was inherently a good thing yeah and to you know stir up the classic myth about britain being this great great country which it has not been for a long time which it never was it never was obviously we've Um, always been a nation of (laughs) oppressive colonizers yeah (laughs) you can't claim to be a great country if you have an empire built on genocide which is what britain was for a very long time and unfortunately we're not going to be allowed to learn about that anymore because um there's going to be sanctions against people who do that there's going to be sanctions against schools that put up any anti-capitalist sources whatever the fuck that means I mean, does that mean that left-wing historians aren't going to be part of syllabuses going forward? Does it mean we're not allowed, but kids aren't allowed to learn about anything other than how great Winston Churchill was and how he didn't want to fuck bulldogs? (laughs) He didn't fuck them on the beaches. He didn't fuck them in the streets. Definitely didn't happen. Definitely did not have sex with bulldogs. Um, And (laughs) you know what the best part is? Is that not only are you gonna like 
silence all of the students in this way and make sure they only learn bullshit they're going to pay you nine thousand pounds a year or more for the privilege as well yeah and the thing is that people aren't going to turn up to these fucking events anyway they're going to be like oh yes we must make sure that white supremacists get a voice on university campuses and get these external speaking functions you know who's going to turn up it's going to be a bunch of people outside protesting and no one's going to actually turn up to their fucking events yeah because everyone's over in the lecture about winston churchill fucking bulldogs on the other side of campus (laughs) that one's got pictures yeah it's got got like restored video footage you know how peter jackson did that thing with the beatles documentary recently and with that other boring war film that i'm never going to watch where he got the black and white footage from the time and like recolored it and apparently it's amazing some someone is working on that footage right now but it's winston churchill fucking bulldogs i thought you were gonna say when you mentioned peter jackson that he'd got andy circus in to be the bulldog (laughs) (laughs) well i'll say that um yeah circus's so, so, greatest role the thing so is that you wouldn't recognize him because you never recognize andy circus you, you never do do you but yeah so basically what's going to happen is that they just are going to be giving free publicity to white supremacists and that's what the the end result of this free speech commission is and that's what they're going for is that because people aren't the only people who are going to turn up to these events are people to protest so the white supremacist in question is going to get lots of pictures of like oh look at all these protesters outside my event or it's going to be like trying to silence me trying to silence me well buy my book (laughs) subscribe to my patreon give me a column in the the daily telegraph or listen to my podcast yeah which is exactly what's going to happen so all it is is just free publicity for white supremacists meanwhile the actual uncomfortable free speech question and the actual uncomfortable speech that we need to address, which is the issue of imperialism in the growth of our country and white, and white supremacy and genocide in the growth of our country, that's the thing that's at risk of being suppressed and has been successfully suppressed for so long. And people are only recently actually talking about it in places like the National Trust. Yeah, 100%. So in short, the Conservatives don't care about free speech. They care about oppressing your speech. Fuck yeah. you. Fuck you, Boris Johnson. <laughs> scruffy head <laughs> feel free to bleep that word by the way. replace it with like i haven't got time to bleep what, what do you want me to replace it with replace it with pikachu going pikachu <laughs> that's that's what i want you to do um yeah I, okay i can do that the thing is i've lived through some bad leaders of this country but none of them have you say that like as... i haven't as well <laughs> We have lived through some bad leaders in this country. I mean, have there, has there been a good leader? No. <laughs> They've all been bad to a certain They've all been bad. They've... David Cameron followed in the Churchillian tradition, except with pigs. <laughs> we shall fuck them at the barbecue. We shall fuck them at the abattoir. Um, uh, yeah, we, okay, so we, we when we were born, it was... Uh, Margaret Thatcher, most famous for her role as the stunt double of the Alien Queen in James Cameron's Aliens, yeah. Um, then replaced <laughs> and stealing lots of milk. Then, then replaced by grey-faced, thin-lipped man John Major. Um, then we had Tony B. Liar, um, <laughs> who did some good things, also committed war crimes. So yep. overall, I'd say probably a bad thing. War um, criminal and minimum wage enthusiast Tony Blair. Yeah. Uh, exactly um got rid of the death penalty also murdered hundreds of thousands of people probably not a good trade-off yeah. um then we a lot had... of good work on the good friday agreement but 
also, <laughs> also murdered hundreds of yeah. thousands of people. Um, th- then we've got uh, we got good old David Cameron, famous pig fucker, um, deceptive, floppy faced, uh, green leader of the Tories, who then decided to kill hundreds of thousands of people in his own country um, through austerity. Uh, Theresa- that's before we even get to Brexit. <laughs> that's before we get to Brexit. <laughs> then we've got Theresa May. Um, uh, famous for crushing the saboteurs and then crying and running through a field of wheat. Uh, and then Boris Johnson, the, the bloated scarecrow. Yeah. Wurzel Bummage. So we've, 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 we've literally had no, no good, um, no good prime ministers in this country for the entirety of our lives. Um, nope. I also missed out Gordon Brown, by the way, which says oh, as much yeah, as you yeah. need to about Gordon Brown. <laughs> we forgot about him. Um, someone who maybe could have done a good job if he hadn't taken over the job at the worst possible time and been left with a bunch of tired, haggard, yep. corrupt Labour politicians. In Most his remembered for calling a bigoted woman a bigot. <laughs> yeah, which, to be fair, that's kind of a win. Um, <laughs> and more people should do that. Um, where was the defence of Gordon Brown's free speech? Yeah. Boris Johnson, why weren't you Where were you that day saying, well, I respect the right of Gordon Brown to call a bigot a bigot. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, uh, but, you know, maybe we'll get a great leader next. Maybe it will be Keir Starmer. <laughs> That's going to happen. The the lawyer man. Yeah, Keir, Keir Starmer, the most exciting man in the world. <laughs> Hey, he probably likes Oasis as well. I bet he fucking likes Oasis. And Stereophonics. <laughs> oh, I like I really like Oasis, but sometimes they're a bit too raucous for me. I have to yeah, tone a bit it down rude. A bit. bit rude for my liking. <laughs> Went to see them once when I when I back when I was a hip young human rights lawyer. And um one of them Gallagher boys raised his two fingers to the crowd and I th- it made me sad. <laughs> It's a real talk. I'd much rather he was leader than Boris Johnson. Yes, obviously. Jesus Christ, a thousand times. But, yes. but the question is, who who can take over as as leader of the of the Labour Party? Because oh, because because lots of Corbynites are saying, "Oh, we must get rid of him. He's useless." And it's like, well, yeah, he's been kind of useless so far. He's done some good stuff, done some bad stuff. Um, but who's going to replace him? He's walking a tightrope in a very very difficult situation. You know, with the co with the COVID and such going on, it's a difficult time to be in opposition because, you know, if you're overly critical of the government, then people just think you're trying to sabotage any effort to get out of COVID. And if you're not critical enough, people say, "Well, why aren't you holding them to account?" Like, I think it's a, you really can't win in that situation. But at the same time, he definitely likes Oasis. <laughs> yeah, I'd also say that he's not being critical enough. I think. Um, I agree. I think he should be going for it with both he sh- barrels. He but should I understand be, why he's not, or at the very least, doing a better job than he is. Because if you look at the opinion polls, because there's now people getting vaccinated, which is great. Um, there's been a surge in support for the Conservative Party because it's like, oh yes, we're nearly at the end. Well done, Boris. It's like, no, hundred a hundred thousand people have died. <laughs> Because, yeah. of, because of the incompetency of this government. But the Labour Party never really held them to account at any point. 
It um, literally took them a year to introduce a like quarantining arrivals into the country policy, which has proven to work in loads of other countries. Yeah, they've they've done unbelievably poorly. You look at other countries which are in a similar situation to ourselves, and we've done the worst out of any of them. We're one of the worst performing countries in terms of you know death rates. Other island nations. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we're we're by far the worst of any island nations, but. You know, even in comparison to other countries, we've done incredibly poorly, just regardless of what their circumstances are. But yeah, he's not held them to account. But who will take over? I mean, like, obviously, the answer is build a time machine, lock Jeremy Corbyn in a cupboard, and by default, Andy Burnham becomes leader of the yeah. party, which is what should have happened back then. Bless, bless yeah. you, Jeremy Corbyn, but no. <laughs> get in a cupboard just didn't really work yeah we could have a go with andy burnham he's now the angry mayor of manchester and he should have been leader at the time but then there was yeah. this surge in in popular vote for, for jeremy corbyn also um, an appreciator of bez also obviously an appreciator of bez he is an everton fan which i won't hold against him but okay. he's got a good head on his shoulders Does, this this podcast brought to you by appreciators of andy burnham society <laughs> This podcast brought to you by Britain is bad. <laughs> or you've got you've got the other mayor, you've got Sadiq Khan, who half the country would never vote for because they're a bunch of racists. Yeah, that's true. But he wants he's the London mayoral elections are coming up, aren't they? They are. They are. Yeah. Um, and and the I, Tory candidate was like had a gaffe recently where he said that homeless people would be able to save up for a deposit on a house. So you know, yes. I'm sure it's going to go really well I, for him. I've forgotten his name, but the most Sean the, Bailey. Pro- Sean Bailey. That's right. Probably the worst person to run for for mayor of London in a long time. Um, you know, we've, we you've had some real stinkers of candidates over the years, but he is really taking the biscuit um, for just the number of stupid things said per minute of his life it's very impressive um so uh, yeah good luck mate i think they've basically already given up haven't they yeah <laughs> I, think they already, have. I think they've already said yeah we're not going to win this um but uh, unless it's like boris johnson when he was mayor sort of did a voldemort curse on the job so you can only have it for one term <laughs> like the defense against the dark arts job yeah exactly exactly maybe that's what happened um but, uh, but yeah, no, British politics is bad. I mean, like, obviously, all eyes have been on America and people going, oh, no, Joe Biden, what a disaster. Like, mate, I'd killed to have Joe Biden right now. Oh, old Uncle Joe. He, I mean, he's bad, but, you know, is is he any worse than anybody in British politics? No. No. So yeah, do you, do you reckon Peter has a poster of Joe Biden on his in his dorm at Stanford? <laughs> yeah, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. He's got a poster. next to Bez. <laughs> he's got no. He's got a poster of Keir Starmer. <laughs> he's the one person in the world with a Keir Starmer poster. Yeah, Americans don't like Oasis. Come on, do they? Really? Are they one of those bands that tried to make it in America and failed? That's there's what quite, I would assume. There's quite a yeah. lot that have tried to do that. Um, let's have a look though, because maybe they were one of the ones that managed to break it. Yes, I've been. Did Oasis make it in America? That's just reminded me of that film yesterday when um, he's like in in the alternate timeline where the Beatles don't exist, and then he looks for Oasis and they don't exist, and he's like, "Yeah, figures." Yes, the one funny joke in that movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, Didn't you think the whole thing about um, Ed Sheeran saying he should call Hey Jude Hey Dude was funny? Oh, that was the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. Ed Sheeran should act in more movies. 
Maybe he should be the leader of the Labour Party. <laughs> Ed Sheeran, yeah. Yeah. I could see him. Uh, up on, up He's sort on. of like if you squashed Keir Starmer, isn't he? <laughs> if you crossed... If, if Keir Starmer and Jeremy Corbyn were, were, were spliced and then the person was being made in a test tube but they grew a bit too fast and had their face squished against this side of the test tube a bit. That's that's Ed Sheeran. Yeah. And then came out of the test tube writing beautiful popular songs. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, I'm in love with the notion of worker rights being a famous one of his. Yeah. Yeah. Have you um, found out if Oasis made it? It in doesn't America it yet? seems as though they didn't flop, but they also didn't succeed. So they got the amount of they got more fame than they deserved. Take right. that Oasis with your millions and your beloved records. Does that mean that Peter's a hipster then? Because he likes obscure bands. Yeah, maybe. Maybe he's a maybe he's just an old hipster. Classic Portland hipster. Yeah. 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 All the hipsters play lacrosse. If you're going to pick one of the, I mean, that's another sign that it's a bit of a posh school, is that it's got lacrosse as the as the game. Um, yeah. But um. But yeah, if you're if you're going to pick any um any any sport to be the hipster sport, I think it's got to be lacrosse, though, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Even though I am obviously a sports hipster who likes baseball, because which is a really old man sport. But that's because you're in the in the UK liking baseball. If you like baseball in the US, that would just be considered a default position. Yeah, not as much as football or basketball. Like it's definitely less popular than those sports. I don't know. Aren't some of the biggest earners in the world um, baseball players? Yeah, There's an awful lot of money in it. There's a, there's a ridiculous amount of money in it because old men like it, and old men pay money to watch it on TV. Mm, I don't know. I don't know. I think it's. It's the kids are all the there. kids are all watching basketball on the TikToks. I'm telling you. <laughs> I should defer to you as you are the expert of teenagers in America. Yeah, that's something that I know a lot about. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, I've seen a lot of these kind of films. And the point we're trying to make by spending half an hour talking about British politics is that Britain sucks and should never <laughs> even be mentioned in American high school films. There shouldn't be anything British in them. Brit- Britain sucks and should just be cast out and sunk like atlantis yeah it should just sink yeah it It should should have sunk on the day we left the european union really just to prove the point it should be stripped from every encyclopedia if the word britain is ever uttered it should be shushed out of existence yeah um yeah uh britain is rubbish but to all the boys always and forever is goodish it's what, goodish, yeah. Yeah, what what I would say is that it's it's directed by uh, Michael Fimanyari, I think it was pronounced, um, who also directed P.S. I Still Love You, which makes sense because they were they were back to back. Yeah. Um, but what's interesting is that he is actually primarily a cinematographer. Ah, um, okay. I'm just looking at his page now. Yeah, I, I hadn't heard of his heard of his name. And he's worked on some really great horror stuff. Um, he's one of the cinematographers that Mike Flanagan works with. Mike Flanagan's a, a wonderful horror director. Um, and uh, you can kind of see the same style of cinematography here. Is a really, really... Some of the moments in this movie in particular are actually quite picturesque. Um, 
and and it is a it is a well directed movie i'd say um particularly those sort of like the the sweeping shots in new york in particular um and and just in general the sort of placement in this movie is is very good hmm. um which yeah so so um and i think of that shows in his quality because i mean dr sleep the cinematography in that was fantastic equally the haunting of hill house tv series um was had some amazing cinematography um and so yeah i think fair play this is not necessarily the greatest um movie of all time but it is pretty it is competent yeah it it looks really really nice especially um there are a few really really good montages that are really really effective as well especially the thing where it it goes through her life with peter while wannabe by the spice girls plays and then and like when she doesn't get in and it kind of shows it backwards playing like a sad version of that song that is brilliant yeah that's incredibly well done and i think also the bits where peter's sitting on her bed and is have they're having that kind of fictional conversation together those bits worked incredibly well too um and so yeah there, there's some creative moments in this movie and some creative risks in that way that are taken which which do pique your interest don't they yeah um, and d- there's that you... thing where she keeps appearing in the like cafe that's made of paper drawings I, yes, i'm not yeah. sure if that's a real place but it like kept kind of cropping up yeah um and um did you like the um did you like the uh, little animated sections as well? Yeah, I did. I thought that was really fun and really creative and a nice way to sort of jazz it up and make it not just about, oh my God, I texted my boyfriend, I got into Stanford. It was actually like, here's, here's something a little bit different, you know? Yes, yeah, exactly. It's, it, it's really well done. And, and just to let you know, that is a, um, is a real cafe. I um, thought so. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's, I really it's cool. enjoyed the opening shots um, of Soul and Career. I thought that was already good. And it had the song uh, G by Girls' Generation, which when we were in Hong Kong, oof, 2012, I think it was, that song was everywhere. Um, and it's a, a banger. So bringing is, in a little bit of K-pop at the beginning, I thought was a really, really nice touch. I was going to say, is this what the young people refer to as K-pop? It is, yeah. Um, I have some And if you listen to, to lots of it, you're in a K-hole. I have, Sorry. Contra- I have something controversial to say here. You don't like K-pop? I like K-pop as much as I like regular pop, which is not very much. But for <laughs> me, it sounds exactly the same, apart from that it's in Korean. <laughs> it's just, you listen to that, you listen to that, and then you listen to the kind of pop music that gets made in, in the US or in the UK, and it's like, yeah, it's pretty much the same thing, isn't it? Yeah. But it's, like, it's, from, it's in Korean. It's in Korean. So we don't that's know what the they're only, saying, because we don't speak Koreans. So it's but, fun. Yeah, but that's the that's the only difference. People go on about it, uh, particularly when J-pop was a big thing. Um, lots of people um, at our university were like, "Oh, it's so much better than than uh, than than UK pop or US pop." It's like, no, it's not. It sounds exactly the same. It's manufactured pop music. Yeah, or but as if the there's no influence on other countries of Western pop, and as if like K-pop and J-pop aren't influencing Western artists as well. Yes, yeah, exactly. It's all one homogenous blob of mediocre pop music, is what I'm saying. Yeah. What I'm saying is... There are some bangers. What I'm saying is go and listen to Cult of Luna, the only (laughs) band that makes good music. Or Holy Fawn. Go go and listen, yeah, go and listen to Obscure Shoegaze Post Metal, the only form of music that's acceptable. (laughs) Yeah. Or Power Metal or Black Metal. (laughs) <laughs> which is what I've been enjoying of late. Have you been you've been on a, a black metal train, have you? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, as I said, I keep going on about Children of Bodom, who I really, really like. But that's like 
almost black metal but it had like tinges of power metal and it kind of like it has all this like really flashy stuff to it this is just so good but i've been going, listening to a lot of opeth as well who were always one of my faves ah uh, yes opeth um yeah i i i need i like metal but i have to be very specific about what kind of metal i listen to so it doesn't necessarily have to be melodic but it has to have a certain groove to it for me to enjoy it right um, so you like iron I, I like iron. I like magnesium. No tin in your house. No tin in my house. In fact, yeah, in, in terms of what I imagine tin to be like, that's like the Metallica snare. Yeah. If, if, if any metal was the Metallica snare, that's what tin would sound like, isn't it? Just that horrible snare. Yeah. Tin um, cans. Yeah. I was just making a dad joke about metal there for old man, old man, uncle, grandpa, dad, Peter in this film. <laughs> yeah, I, he's liking that. He gave that a little chuckle before going back to sucking on his pipe. Yeah. Putting up his feet in those tartan slippers and going, I remember when I was in the To All The Boys films. Oh, I was a young whippersnapper back then. <laughs> we had some good times, didn't we? Oh, I remember I talked about Oasis. Uh, back when I first heard them, I thought, oh, I'm a bit too old for this music. But you know what? I made it pass. I'll give it a try. Now let me have a big old sip of prune juice. <laughs> I've still got it. <laughs> so we we say bullying a man that's eight years our junior. <laughs> and is he possibly Who's a very good talented? and very successful handsome actor. <laughs> I mean, le- seriously, I think the cast of these movies is very good. Um, yeah. I really like that the third movie didn't have a stupid love triangle unless you count New York as the third part of the love tri- triangle, which I suppose you could do. Uh-huh. Um, but, but I like that instead it was a focus on on the two of them. And I think, again, they both did a really great job in this. Um, yeah, I was expecting to there to just be another love triangle. Here's another boy that I loved before, but no. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so he's going to be in in the new Masters of the Universe. Um, he's going to be He-Man. Okay. Which I'm open to that. Um, and also he's going to be in Black Adam, which is a DC superhero movie. The Rock is Black Adam. He's someone else called Atom Smasher. I don't know who Atom Smasher is because I don't know who Black Adam is, but hopefully it's good for his sake. Sounds like fun. Yes. Sounds like he's got a bright future ahead of him and I'm very happy for him. Yeah. And I think it's well deserved. You know, he's got a lot of charm in everything that we've watched him in. Um, a lot of charisma and also a lot of, of um, acting talent because, yeah, these are rom-coms, but actually, apart from the second movie, his characters required quite a lot of depth in all of them. Um, and it's the same yeah. with, with, with Lara Jean. Even in um, your favourite film in the world, Sierra Burgess is a loser. Oh, yeah, the, 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 the horrible catfish manipulation movie. Um, yeah, he's great in that as well, you know. Um, he was good at being deep about being catfished. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and so, yeah, so I think he's got a good a good future ahead of him. Um, and I'm looking forward to seeing where his career goes. I hope he gets to do some weird shit, like strange movies, not just big blockbusters and rom-coms. I want him to do, like, I don't know, a new Stephen Lynch, something like that, I think would be interesting. Yeah. Um, but then uh, then Lana Condor, who played Lara Jean, she's she's really good as well. Yeah, um, and again, I think probably also has a bright future ahead of us. Yes, that. yeah, I think so as well. So yeah, fingers crossed for you guys. We like you. We like yeah. you both. You young whippersnappers. Um, yeah. 
<laughs> all these young people with their TikToks and their K-pop and their Oasis albums. Yeah. Here's where Rob tells you that there's, there's, TikTok is no different. It's just the same as Tik and Tok. <laughs> TikTok is just the same as... What was the thing that was around when we were younger? Vine. Vine. It is just that Vine. That is actually true. It, all it is is Vine. And it just says how stupid... It's Vine it with the UX designers paid a lot of money to make it addictive. Who Because who, who bought Vine? Because Vine got bought by... Was it Google or was it Facebook? Uh, Maybe it was Facebook. I feel like it was Twitter. I don't know. Or was it Twitter? I do not know. Yeah, maybe it was Twitter. It was bought out by somebody, wasn't it? And then they just failed <laughs> dismally. Yeah. No, and then they just got rid of it. And they, they got rid of it. Um, yeah, so it was founded in 2012, uh, bought out by Twitter in 2012 as well. Um, but then, uh, yeah, they disabled all the uploads in 2016. Um, and yeah, they, they kind of just ran it into the ground, didn't they? And then all of a sudden TikTok, <laughs> TikTok appears and it's like, oh, it's basically just fine again. Yeah. Um, yeah. You young kids with your TikToks, you go and do that. We like you. Yeah, we do. We do. Young people are great. Um, so to all the boys. But so are old people. I, I like the fact that, um, him off of my big fat Greek wedding appears as the dad again. He's the dad. And he comes down while she can't sleep. She's baking in the middle of the night, dr- just drinking a glass of milk in the middle of the night as if that's something a normal human does. You know, I like that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's great. It's great. And then, um, Peter's dad, um, appears yeah. as well, played by Henry Thomas, um, who is also in, um, the haunting of hill house and is in dr sleep he plays um the bartender in Do- so in oh. dr sleep they go back to um the scary hotel they go, they go back to the scary hotel um and he's basically jack torrance the bartender that kind of character again and it's like oh he's great and yeah we we love henry thomas he's great and he he gives the sort of emotional dad speech of this movie doesn't he yeah i mean it feels a bit like he's just there to try and like give peter a bit of emotional depth so you don't think he's just a jock who listens to oasis but like it's fine yes yeah um yeah so he's there and he's good and we like him um, he's also going to be in um, Midnight Mass, which is the next thing uh, that um, that Mike Flanagan's going to be working on, who's the big old big old horror hero. Um, but also uh, Michael uh, Fimignari is also going to be involved in that. So he's going back to going back to horror, going back to being a cinematographer. Um, Great with, uh, with, with Mike Flanagan. So look forward to that. It's going to look beautiful, whatever it is. Nice. Um, so, in terms of critical reception, um, this movie got a 65 uh, from Metacritic overall, um, which okay. which I think is acceptable. I think that's respectful. Metacritic skews lower, doesn't it, overall? So, Metacritic gives an accurate representation of what the percentage was of um of the official reviews of the the accepted reviews so whereas rotten tomatoes only gives a binary of how many were fresh how many were rotten based on is it is it 50 percent or 60 percent and it goes one either way um meta- i thought it was 50 yeah. percent it's what's known as the, the gordon ramsay scale it's rotten or it's not rotten <laughs> whereas um metacritic which is superior actually gives a percentage rating based on what the scores are across various channels 
um which i think is an acceptable an acceptable thing and didn't get didn't get any majorly disappointing scores which is good um and i think that shows you know this is a competent film it might not be the most exciting it might not be the greatest um movie out there but as a finale of a trilogy where the second part was so poor it does a pretty good job of bringing it all back together yeah definitely and i think you could watch it even without having seen the first two i i think it's accessible enough and easy enough you know this is this is easy watching and this is what netflix should be investing their time and money in because this is what people want at a time like this you know it's it's nice it's fun it's enjoyable and it's it is predictable but it's not without you know joy and it's not without fun and it's not without goofiness and all of those things carry it and make it a nice easy watch so why not yeah definitely and it also um you can watch this one watch the first one and then watch this one the second movie has no bearing (laughs) on the plot of this film whatsoever i think you should watch the second movie because it has the nice boy with the cardigan in it oh pathetic wet milk man Oh, I he's, I help not old milk. people and I play the piano. Oh, and I read poetry. And my name's Paddy Johnston. Oh. <laughs> you know who else reads poetry? Who reads poetry? Hero finds Tiffin. <laughs> oh, he does read poetry. Yeah, Hero finds Tiffin. You are Hero. Sorry, we're Tiffin. talking about the character he plays in the Afterverse, but also that character is him. So <laughs> they're interchangeable now. It's all one thing. What was this character's name? Hardin. No, 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 no! In into all the boys too. Oh, I can't remember. <laughs> I'll have just, to look it up. Just absolute paper thin. Yeah, uh, it was John Ambrose. John, John Ambrose. Ambrose. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I read important literature. Hi, I like books. I like books because I'm a massive nerd. So of course, Peter has never read a book in his life. Is of course the perfect guy. He's great. And he's wonderful in this. And he does read books. When does he read books? He's constantly reading books. Where do you think he found out about Oasis from? He was reading <laughs> from a book. He was reading the great big book of Dad Rock. <laughs> Which was given to him by his dad, who's distant. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's actually a film I would watch, like Peter and his dad, like listening to rock records together and going to gigs and like reconnecting over Oasis fandom. Now that's what I call dad rock. It's yeah. an album that Peter likes. <laughs> I thought that was the name of the film. <laughs> now that's what I call dad rock. Okay, so what is on Now That's What I Call Dad Rock? It's one of um, the Now That's What I Call Musics. Oh, is this an actual real album? Yes, yeah. Oh, jeez. Read um, it to me. No. <laughs> hold on, I'm trying to, trying to find... find. Uh, yeah, because do you remember when they were called Now That's What I Call Music instead of Now now 46 yeah. or Now 103 or whatever they're up to now? Yeah, yeah. For non-British listeners, this was like a compilation tape or CD of all the recent pop hits that used to come out every few months. Yes. And the first one was called Now That's What I Call Music and then it'd been two and yeah, whatever. Yes. Yeah. yeah. If you went down to Woolworths and you picked up that on a cassette or a CD, you knew you'd have like you'd be in for some real pop gold. <laughs> yeah, and then, yeah, we get some old spin-offs like now. That's what I call Dad Rock. I'm just seeing if Oasis is on. Now that's what I call Dad Rock. It is not. It Boo. is not. The Stereophonics is. So okay. we've, we've got a bit of Rolling Stones. Start me up. We've got a bit of With or Without You by U2. 
uh, Radioactive by Imagine Dragons. That's a bit out Ooh. there for now. That's what I call that's quite, rock, isn't it? That's a bit too new, I'm going to say. Take Me to Church by Hosier. That's not what I would call dad rock. That is not I what I would call I don't know that one. You know, and I'm a dad, so I should know. You know, take me, to, take me to church, take me to church. I've been something and something, shine of your lies, something, something, something. <laughs> I'm a really sad man. Oh no, <laughs> do a remix of that. Oh no, I'm a sad man from Ireland. Take me to church. You don't know that. <laughs> no, I've it's never so, heard that song so before good. in my look life. It, look it up, it's genuinely an awesome song. It's got big Sounds like sort of, something out of PS I Love You. It's got I'm big, sad and I'm from Ireland. It's got big Nick Cave energy. Um it's it's yeah, it's a good one. It's a good one. Um we've got Rockstar by Nickelback. Sweet Home Alabama. Oh, that Alabama. is a dad rock song. Sweet Home Alabama, Leonard Skinner, obviously. Yep. Don't Fear the Reaper, Blue Oyster Cult. Yep. Uh Ace of Spades, like Motorhead. Yeah, uh, now town, you're talking. Town Called Malice by The Jam. All right. Uh, She's So Lovely, Scouting for Girls. What? Chelsea Dagger, The Fratellis. <laughs> of course. Uh, <laughs> uh, got the Stone Roses on here, if you do want to there's action. Um, Everybody's Changing by Keen. Now that's what I call piano dad rock. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh all Someone right now, had a good three. laugh compiling this, didn't they? Yeah, Iggy and the Stooges we got on here. Got a bit of Lenny Kravitz as well. Um, Stacy's Mum by Fountains of Wayne. What? I know you're a fan of Fountains of Wayne. Big fan, yeah. Um, and uh, we've got Crazy Crazy Nights by Kiss. Teenage what all dads want to listen to is a song about a teenager having sex with his girlfriend's mum. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, we've got Complicated by Avril Lavigne, In Too Deep by Sum 41. So, oh, so there's like a pop punk section yeah, there's to like this a little, playlist. Like Pompeii by Bastille. What? How is that dad rock? Dad rock. Dad rock. And it ends with Roxy music, the shit on top of the cake. I hate Roxy music. I fucking hate Roxy music. What a terrible band. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. Pompous, bloated, got old garbage. <laughs> I'm just like, Brian Eno, what were you doing? Why were you involved yeah. in this? Um, yeah, terrible band. Roxy, Roxy music fans, come at me. I think yeah, I can come take, on. I we know I you listen take, every week. I think Brian I can, Ferry. <laughs> I think Brian Ferry, the only <laughs> remaining Roxy music fan in the world. Um, even the rest of He's the there wearing the, the t-shirt of his own band. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, Brian Ferry. Good he times. Does. So, yeah. Noah Centineo listens to that playlist every day. He does. He listens to that album every day. He busts out. While his... he's pumping iron in preparation for his lacrosse games. <laughs> he, he busts out his Sony Walkman, rewinds the tape, puts it in. Goes, oh, music was better before the digital age. Yeah. And um, Lara Jean humors him because she loves him. And it's a love story and it's lovely. Yeah. you got to love your man, haven't you? Yeah. Stand by your man Even when he likes Roxy music <laughs> So yeah, and it provides a very, very nice, satisfying, um, proper love ending, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it does, and it's nice, isn't it? And you think, oh, that's really sweet 
yeah. then you remember. She still gets to go to NYU and do all the things that writers love, like intern in publishing. You know, that's that kind of stuff <laughs> yeah, is I, all there. And but I she hope, still gets to be with Peter. And I hope that when they do inevitably make a fourth one, they continue the trend of uh, rom coms not understanding what publishing is and her doing yeah. some random stuff in her internship at a publisher. At this point, it's a requirement, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so yeah, bring it on. Bring it on. Bring on. Wait, I know what it's going to do. It's going to be, she's going to go to, like, she's going to be interning at a small publisher, but that's apparently still making loads of money off of poetry because everyone buys poetry books. And they're going to be doing a poetry book by John Ambrose. And he's going to be there and he's going to be like, hey, I'm a sexy published poet now. Go out with me. That's a good idea, actually. And you then, like, it's going to be like long distance with Peter, but d- does she go with the sexy poet man in New York? Yeah, they should. Um, yeah, Netflix. Come on, guys, get in touch. Netflix. We genuinely have some good ideas sometimes, so you know. Yeah. Get on it. Yeah, get on it. Come on. Sometimes. <laughs> Still waiting to hear back about Lit Men. Yeah, Lit Men was. Um, I emailed them again last office. week. <laughs> um, but yeah, give us give us to all the boys for sexy poet. Yeah. P.S. You're a sexy poet. Yeah. I'm sexy and I'm a poet. Boom ba dum dad rock 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 boom ba dum dad rock. <laughs> Surprised that wasn't on the dad rock album. Seems like every other fucking song was. <laughs> yeah, it, it seemed to have sections, didn't it? So yeah. you're surprised there wasn't a sort of like dance hits that a dad might dance to when he's had a couple couple of beers. Yeah, exactly. Cause I, I as as a father, I would like to state that I would get down to that song. As a father, I think. As a father, you, I would like to state that I'm sexy and I know it. You should, you should, um, you should start every statement you make from now on with "as a father." Like you're on a work Zoom call and they ask you questions like, "Well, as a father." <laughs> um, I'm just looking at Brian Ferry. Why does he look like a disgraced Italian politician? <laughs> well, as a father. I should tell you that I think he's actually related to Silvio Berlusconi. There is a passing resemblance between him and Silvio. Is there? Yeah. Oh dear. Um, did I ever? Did I send you? By the way, you know how your iPhone makes you like these little video montages <laughs> yes, of photos. You did. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I've still got it. Um, but basically, for our listeners. The um your iPhone unbidden, you can't I don't think you can turn it off. It takes like photos from your photo gallery and makes like a little video montage for you each day and put and sets it to music and whatever. And they're all just photos of my son, my beautiful son who I love. Um and by every day it's like, Oh, I got this nice little thing and then somehow for some reason there was a picture of Silvio Berlusconi on my car. <laughs> And it played like showed like loads of cute photos from my son when he was a baby to like emotional music, piano music, and then it just came onto a picture of Silvio Berlusconi at the end. So <laughs> it was my beautiful son that I love. Yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> it was beautiful. That's one of the greatest things I've ever seen in my life. I'm not going to lie. So yeah, um, to all so, the Berlusconis I've loved before. So how would you rank this then um, out of twenty Berlusconis? <laughs> Oh dear. Um, I'll give it a, f- a 13 Berlusconi's. Oh, Was very that good. fair? I think that's fair. I was going to go 12. I think that's a perfectly cromulent score for this film. Yeah, agreed. Um, so yeah, so it's a, it's a competent end to a trilogy. Leaves room for more if they want to. 
at some point if it makes enough money, which I think it will. Um, yeah, goofy, just, fun, original enough as sort of high school romance teen movies go, but still gives you that hit of what you're expecting from it. It's yeah, it's good. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's a it's a recommendation from us. I'd say. Yeah, go and watch it. So what have we what have we got next? Well, I think it's time to go for something a little bit older. Um, something that hasn't come up before, but then you might think, oh, why hasn't it come up before? Which is Greece. Ah. And this has been on my mind recently, and I have literally no idea why. Um, maybe it was because we saw Olivia Newton-John on some TV interview, and I was like, Greece, we've got to talk about Greece. But I also wanted to ask if you want to watch Greece 2 as well, because <laughs> I keep hearing that apparently Greece 2 is good and is better than the, than the first one. Uh, but this might just be a vicious rumour. So do you want to do a double bill or do you want to just leave it at Greece? Because I know you've got a lot on. Let's do a double bill. I have to spoil it for you. Greece 2 is a piece of shit. Oh, good. <laughs> it's fucking awful. <laughs> I have not seen it. Spoiler alert. Whoever's told you that Grease 2 is good is lying or has terrible taste or both. Um, it is. It was ab- Peter Kavinsky. It is an abhorrent piece of cinema. <laughs> it's genuinely awful. This um, is going to. I Okay, I'm going to make a prediction now. This is going to be an under the cherry moon situation where like Grease 2 was a piece of shit at the time and no one liked it. And now it's like had a critical re- reappraisal and like there's stuff to like in it that's sort of culty but you still you're still gonna hate it and i'm gonna like it that's my prediction so, so quite- i'm not gonna go into it deliberately trying to like it to piss you off or even though that is tempting <laughs> but like, <laughs> but yeah i'm intrigued question is do you want to do them both for the next episode or do you want to do them one after the other do you think that the because que- greece one is worthy of an episode in its own right does Greece 2 warrant an entire episode, I guess is the question. Yeah, well, will will we annoy fans of um, Children, Death Island and Twilight if we, you know, we did all four of their their beloved films in one oh, episode yeah. and then we, yeah. No, that's true. We yeah. dedicate so we, an episode should... to each of the Greece films. Yeah, let's 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 do the double bill then. Let's do them both in one. We know the fans of the Greece-verse. The Greece-cinematic universe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the Travolta-verse. Yeah, the Travolta-verse. Um, yeah, so yeah okay, let's do cool. them both in one episode. Cool. I haven't watched either in a very long time. I've only watched Grease 2 the once because, like I said, it is a very bad film. Um, but yeah, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, I, maybe I'll come back to it and think, God damn, this is a masterpiece. I still want to revisit Under the Cherry Moon at some point because I think it is it, a potential masterpiece. <laughs> There's nothing stopping you from watching it on your own <laughs> because no one else wants to watch it. Yeah, even that Prince, is a, well, in my house that is true even Prince up in heaven is like I'm not watching that <laughs> he's like I ain't, I ain't got time for black and white films <laughs> no he'll watch he'll watch Purple Rain again yeah good times <laughs> well we covered a lot of ground in this episode but the main message is listen to dad rock <laughs> yeah listen to listen to dad rock like the Fratellis or <laughs> LMFAO yeah famous and rock bands. hey remember this the message from us to you you're sexy and you know it you are sexy and you know it all right partner <laughs> <laughs> but yeah thanks a lot for tuning in we really really appreciate it and we hope you enjoyed 
to all the boys always and forever um and if you haven't seen it we hope you go away and watch it and enjoy it um and hope you enjoy all our chat about films um we have a lot of episodes in our back catalogue so be sure to go and visit those revisit those if there are some films you want to hear about that you have seen or you haven't seen or things you want to hear us talk about like, like lit men yeah as, uh, where would you like to go to university would you like to play lacrosse where's the best cookie you've ever eaten what is lacrosse <laughs> what is lacrosse i don't know please explain it to me <laughs> um so yeah if you know what lacrosse is you can get in touch with us at, um on twitter at big boys don't pod emails at big boys don't cry podcast at gmail.com always love to hear from you and please do rate review and subscribe to the show because it helps other people find it and we want to spread the love and the joy of these kind of films Yes, we want to. We want more people to, to hear us talk about British politics. Yeah, <laughs> and how it is bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right, and we'll be back next week to talk about Greece and Greece too. Alrighty, bye bye. Ready, bye. We got you.